Hello, this is Tony Blazer for the Motocross Vault presented by Blinzall. If you're in the market for some high-quality racing oil for your two-stroke or four, make sure you go to blinzall.com and use our discount code VAULT20 to save 20% at checkout. Thank you for all the support. Hi, this is Doug Dubach. Welcome to the Motocross Vault. Hello and welcome back to the Motocross Vault. My name is Tony Blazer, and what this video is going to cover is a look back at Honda's 1989 CR250R. This is one of my favorite all-time motorcycles in terms of looks. If you saw my video I did on the all-time best-looking Hondas, this was my number one pick. I, I love the looks of this 89 bike. It's a great-looking machine, but it had some at least one serious flaw. Uh, this is the first year that they went to the inverted forks on the CR250R, and it really handicapped its performance, at least in stock condition. Um, I had the 1990. I've actually had a couple of 1990 CR250Rs, and they were really great motorcycles, but they really had the same problem. The forks were terrible. And this 89 version is even worse. This is the first year they went to those, and they really just didn't have it figured out quite yet. Uh, my buddy Jamie had one of these bikes, and it was an absolute rocket, but holy crap, they were probably the worst forks I've ever ridden with. I mean, um, in a modern motorcycle, when you come up short on a jump, you know, it bottoms out. You feel maybe a little bit of something, but it's not like these old ones, man. When, when they would come all the way through the travel, it would hit with this metal-to-metal -metal clank that, like, you know, jarred your fillings out of your teeth. It was so terrible. But this motorcycle was so fast, handled so well. It was just a great... Uh, motorcycle to ride as long as this is track was smooth but if it got a little rough and choppy it was a handful uh, it was a really good looking motorcycle though and like i said this is, video is going to take a look back at what honda did in 89 to uh, come out with a machine that i think was very popular with the pros you know if you're a really fast guy it was worth getting the forks fixed and stuff to deal with all the other stuff the CR was good at. If you wanted to just ride it stock, though, it was it was pretty harsh and pretty tough in that way. Uh, overall, though, I think most people even now would say it's one of the best bikes uh, other than the forks that Honda ever produced. Certainly a great machine in a lot of other ways. Uh, if you like this sort of thing, make sure you check out some of the other videos I've done. I've done retrospectives of the CR250R where I've gone through every year from 73 onward and what they changed every year. I've done uh, several 500s from Suzuki and uh, some of the other brands as well. So if you like this sort of thing, make sure you check out some of the other videos on my channel. If you like to support what I do here at the Motocross Vault, I have Motocross Vault merch available. I just came out with an all new design based on Mike LaRocco's 2001 Amsoil uh, Factory Connection CR. I love the looks of this motorcycle. The 2000-2001 CRs are some of my favorites ever in terms of the appearance of the bike and this Amsoil graphics this year, particularly with the yellow wing and stuff on I thought it was a really good-looking motorcycle. I actually did my uh, 2002 CRF with the Amsoil graphics. And I always thought this factory connection bikes in this year were good-looking machines, and uh, I think it turned out pretty well. So if you'd like to check that out, I'll put a link in the video uh, below and also in the description. Uh, so here, without further ado, is a look back at Honda's 1989 CR250R. The mid to late 80s were a great time to be riding red in the 250 class. Starting in 1983, the CRs were consistently some of the best machines available in the deuce and a half division. Sharp turning, powerful motors, and Santa looks were the hallmarks of the red machines in this era. In 1986, Honda utterly dominated the 250 division with an all-new motor and the most advanced suspension in the class. The CR250R's works-like Shawa cartridge forks and incredibly broad power made the Red Machine the unanimous choice for serious racers. After another class-leading performance in 1987, Honda took a major gamble in 1988. An all-new machine scrapped 90% of the outgoing CR's design and pointed the way toward a sleeker and more supercross-focused future. The 88 CR250R swapped colors to a new blood red and introduced a sleek new low-boy layout that offered the slimmest and sexiest bodywork in the business. The new ergonomics were a unanimous hit, 
but the suspension and motor changes for 1988 proved less popular. Revised settings for the forks ruined their performance, and a Supercross-focused linkage for the shock delivered a punishing ride that left most riders cold. While the motor's design was very similar to 1987, new porting and a tweaking of the Honda PowerPort system resulted in a slow building and mellow delivery that disappointed riders who had become accustomed to the motor supremacy of the previous two seasons. While the 88 CR250R proved quite capable on the track, most magazine editors and quite a few consumers found it a disappointing follow-up to the awesome 1987 CR. The slow-feeling motor was competitive, but boring to ride, and the suspension action was a major misstep after two years of utter fork domination. There were also reliability issues with the 88CR's new delta-link rear suspension that left many racers with bent linkage bolts and aggravating repairs. Overall, it was a machine that pushed the envelope in many ways, but failed to back up its sexy looks with class-leading performance. In 1988, most of the CR250R's failings could be traced to setup issues by the engineering and testing staff that led to subpar results on the track. Decisions to mellow the motor and tweak the fork's performance ruined the stock machine's effectiveness on the track, despite its excellent tight track handling and ultralight feel. For Supercross-style circuits, the CR's chassis was without peer, but its harsh stock suspension and fits of head shake made it a handful outdoors. With some minor motor mods and some suspension work, the 88CR250 was an absolute beast, but in stock condition, it was a confused and disappointing machine. Knowing that the basic DNA of a winner lurked under the 88CR's new bodywork, Honda set out to polish the rough edges off its Supercross Championship package for 1989. First to go was the languid power delivery of 88. To bring back the bark of 87, Honda once again reconfigured the porting of its 249cc mill. An all-new cylinder was spec'd, that deleted the intake boost ports of 88 and raised the intake ports. They also enlarged the exhaust valve. The head was reshaped to lower compression slightly, and a new head gasket was employed that was thinner and no longer made of asbestos. To perk up the mid-range, the Honda PowerPort was retuned to open 300 RPM sooner, and the reed valve was redesigned to open wider for improved fuel flow. To further perk up the motor's feel, Honda installed a lighter flywheel for 89, and also an all-new ignition. In a nod of durability, Honda added a tin plating to the piston pinhole and changed the taper of the pin to be more rigid. As in 1988, the cylinder remained plated in Nicosil for optimum cooling and increased durability. In the motor's bottom end, Honda beefed up the clutch to handle the additional power with stronger springs and a new rubber damper inside the clutch housing. First through fourth gears remained unchanged, but fifth gear was lowered slightly for 89. This was done to tighten up the gap between 4th and 5th gear, and while it hindered the Honda's appeal slightly off-road, it was more in line with the CR's intended purpose as a motocross-first machine. Of all the changes made on the 89CR, by far the most dramatic was the adoption of an all-new front suspension system. After 16 years of conventional forks and its motocross machines, Big Red made the jump to an inverted design in 1989. In use on works machines for several years, the inverted fork offered several advantages over its conventional alternatives. By moving the larger diameter portion of the fork to the clamping area, the inverted or upside-down fork offered much greater strength and rigidity. This translated to improved precision in the turns, increased stability in the rough, and a reduction in deflection on hard hits. The inverted design increased fork overlap and decreased fork protrusion below the axle as well. This further increased the rigidity and reduced the chance of catching the front end in a deep rut. For 1989, Honda moved to the inverted fork on both the CR250R and CR500R, with both adopting the all-new 45mm Showa design. This was an increase in diameter of 2mm of the 88CR's conventional sliders. 
While the forks looked completely different externally, their internal damping system remained very similar to the 88, with 12 inches of overall travel and external adjustments for compression only. In the rear, Honda stayed with the Delta-Link Pro-Link design they had introduced in 88, but offered several changes aimed at improving its performance. First up was an increase in the diameter of all the pivot bolts within the linkage. By increasing the diameter by 2 millimeters and improving the quality of the bushings, Honda was able to eliminate the embarrassing bending issues it had suffered the year before. The Shawa shock was also updated with an all-new compression system that promised a much wider range of adjustment and paired with a lighter spring for smoother action. Aside from the beefed up pivot points, the ProLink design remained largely unchanged from 1988. On the chassis front, most of the changes were aimed at improving comfort and increasing durability. Because the new inverted fork transmitted a great deal more force to the frame, Honda's engineers increased the strength of the steering head and main frame down tube to prevent any stress-related failures. The geometry was also altered slightly to provide a bit less trail to reduce the violent head shake of 1988. To improve rider comfort, the rear subframe was lowered 12 millimeters and the shape of the seat was altered to provide a flatter seating area. The foot pegs were also increased in width by 3.5 millimeters to reduce mud buildup and improve rider grip. A new throttle was added that offered a quicker pull and a redesigned brake pedal employed a less aggressive ratio for improved braking feel. Paired with the new lever was a redesigned rotor that increased the size of the cooling slots to reduce fading and an all-new rear hub that reduced unsprung weight by nearly a pound. Aside from the reshaped seat and new plastic fork guards, the bodywork remained largely unchanged with the only significant update being a set of bold new graphics. On the track, the 1989 CR250R turned out to be a massively improved machine in some areas and a bit of a setback in others. The new motor was an absolute rocket that pulled well from just above idle into a chunky mid-range and blistering top-end hit. The overall power spread was just as wide as 1988, but with a much quicker delivery and a stronger mid-range hit. Slow guys could lug it out of turns without worrying about it falling off the pipe, and fast guys could clutch it on the exit and leave the competition in their dust. Clutch performance, shifting, and ease of use were all stellar, and the motor received rave reviews from riders of every skill level. About the only complaint were the bike's overly rich stock jetting and a truly annoying habit of fouling plugs. Once you got those issues sorted, however, you had by far the best 250 motor package of 1989. Where things went pear-shaped for the CR was once again in the suspension department. Much like 1988, the 89CR turned out to be a great handling motorcycle utterly undone by its atrocious stock suspension. The new 45mm Showa forks certainly looked trick, but their performance on the track was nothing short of grim. In stock condition, they were undersprung and overdamped on the compression stroke. Heavy spring preload, harsh damping, and soft spring rates made the forks feel stiff initially before blowing through their stroke on hard hits. There was a nasty spike in the damping mid-stroke, and the forks banged to the stops with a metal-to-metal -metal clank on large jumps. With the ultra-stiff inverted forks, every rock, curb, and clank was transmitted directly to the rider's wrists, and no one aside of Rick Johnson found the new forks to be an improvement. Amazingly, the forks action turned out to be so bad that Honda was forced to release a recall mid-season to improve their woeful performance. Dealers were sent all-new bottoming cones that offered a shorter taper and a higher flow to be installed at no additional cost. While this did improve the compliance of the forks slightly, it did nothing to address the poor stock spring rates and rampant particulate contamination that befouled the Showa's internals. Even with a swap in springs and the updated internals, the forks remained poor performers that were easily at the bottom of the 1989 fork performance heap. In the rear, 
The picture was slightly better, but the CR Showa damper remained largely unloved by the majority of testers. The rear of the CR was not as harsh as the front forks, but it required a great deal of aggression to work properly. When ridden aggressively, it followed the train consistently, but if you backed off even a little bit, it became very busy. Less skilled riders found it too stiff and prone to kicking, and the bike could become a real challenge to control at speed in the rough. Like the forks, Big Air was met with a severe bottoming, and the ProLink remained an odd combination of too hard and too soft. With a spring swap, most riders could live with the stock shock's action, but only pro-level riders seemed to like its performance. It was a damper setup for aggression, and if you were not willing to hammer like Jeff Stanton, it was likely to beat you to death in a long moto. On the handling front, the CR was once again a bit of a mixed bag. Its turning prowess remained unequaled, and the CR could carve over, under, or around nearly anything else on the track. The super slim layout, low center of gravity, and snappy power made the bike feel 15 pounds lighter than it was, and the CR could be thrown around like an ultra-powerful 125. Tight turns and big jumps with short approaches were the Honda's forte, and it was very clear the CR was bred to be a supercross weapon. Outdoors, however, the bike was much less at home. High-speed sections that were drama-free on the YZR KX were a terrifying thrill-a-minute ride on the CR. The soft forks, stiff shock, and aggressive geometry imbued the CR with an unplanted and busy feel that made the bike feel highly unpredictable. Despite geometry changes aimed at increasing the machine's stability, the front end continued to shake violently when coming down from speed. Lock-to-lock -lock swaps were not uncommon, and the CR was easily the worst machine for off-road use in stock condition. Once the suspension was sorted, the machine became much more manageable, but its Supercross-first personality was always apparent. On the detailing front, the CR250R was an improvement in some areas and a step back in others. The new beefed-up linkage did away with the bent bolts of 88 and proved trouble-free as long as the bearings were greased regularly. A new aluminum side cover also solved the annoying water pump corrosion issues suffered on previous CRs, which had employed magnesium for their side case material. A revised air filter for 89 improved the ceiling, but offered suspect longevity. Four to five cleanings were about all you could expect to get out of it before the glue started to give up the ghost. Going to a twin air or uni filter was cheap insurance for your $39.98 investment. Speaking of the price, it was hard not to note the astronomical $900 price increase Honda tacked onto the CR250 in 1989. This was a jump of almost 30% year over year and equal to about $2,000 in today's money. Honda claimed that most of that was due to an unfavorable exchange rate with the yen, but even with this taken into account, it was still the most expensive machine in the class. If you bought a KX250 in 1989, you would have way better suspension and still have another $400 left over for upgrades. At least for all that money, you did get a well put together motorcycle. The quality of everything from the brakes to the bolts to the bodywork was the best in the class. Long after a Suzuki or Kawasaki felt beat up, the CR looked fresh and felt fresh. The motor proved largely bulletproof, with only the occasional foul plug or notched clutch basket marring its stellar reliability record. While the motor was reliable, its need for regular HPP maintenance continued to be a real pain in the kidney belt. If you ignored this complicated and time-consuming tasks, then sticky valves eventually sapped the snap out of the CR mill. The new forks also demanded constant attention due to the absurd amount of particulate contamination their internals sloughed off into the damper fluid. Flushing the fluid every three or four rides was the only way to prevent their action from transitioning from grim to medieval. Lastly, care had to be taken with the new forks not to over-tighten the pinch bolts and the clamps. Unlike the old conventional forks, where this was not a concern, the new inverted forks performance could be affected by over-tightening the clamp bolts. Overall, the 1989 Honda CR250R turned out to be a flawed but highly effective motocross weapon. Blessed with razor-sharp handling, legendary reliability, and the fastest motor in the class,
it was only a fork away from absolute domination in 1989. For riders who made a living twisting their right wrist, its additional cost and flummoxing forks were a small price to pay to gain access to its other virtues. If you were more of the buy it and ride it stock crowd, however, there were probably better racing choices in 1989. So there you have it. That's a look back at the 1989 CR250R, a machine that certainly was a gorgeous motorcycle, super fast, uh, great in so many ways, just kind of had one fatal flaw, which is those forks that were just god-awful. And they were, <laughs> I mean, again, if you've never ridden one of these bikes, you have no sense of just how bad some of this uh, fork performance used to be in the early days. Uh, it was just terrible. I mean, even the worst forks today are nothing like these things were. They were really, really bad. Uh, but Honda eventually would get it figured out like 10 years later. <laughs> it would take them a decade to get uh, decent forks going on their uh, CRs again. But they had a pretty rough run there in the 90s as far as the fork performance goes. Uh, if you like this sort of thing, make sure you check out some of the other videos I've done. I've done all kinds of retrospectives of different motorcycles and off-road, even ATV machines. If you could like, share, and subscribe, uh, I would really appreciate it. Tell your friends on social media about it. Help grow the channel. And if you do want to pick up some Motocross Vault merch, like I said, it is available on my Teespring store. Uh, so until we meet again, this is Tony Blazer from Motocross Vault. Keep the rubber side down. Peace.